I am very aware of how guilty I am of name-checking obvious brands, of the Goldman Sachs, of the Googles, of the Amazons, of the Apples, et cetera, et cetera. I am guilty as charged, Your Honor. Take me away. Slap the cuffs on me. We're all done. And it's a you know what? To be fair, it's very easy to talk about employer brand when you're talking about brands that are so obviously different for whom uh, there's a clear consumer connection, that they're in the news, they're well-liked generally. Goldman Sachs is a separate case somewhat depending on who you're talking to. Um, that it's too obvious, it's too easy. It's too easy. Uh, a friend of mine, a long time ago, uh, way back when 1996, when the Olympic Games were in Atlanta, he got the chance to go be a stringer photographer, didn't go to Atlanta to take pictures, and he turned them down. I said, Why? He goes, It's too easy. It's literally too easy. You just take your camera and you just shoot stuff, and something's going to be useful. It's just too easy. There's no challenge in it whatsoever. Now, I don't know that he was a tortured artist type per se. Uh, in fact, he probably wasn't. Um, but, hey, Charlie, how you doing? Charlie Baird, everybody. He does, definitely does not listen to this program. Um, but it's easy to talk about the obvious stuff. Maybe it's time for us to talk about a more challenging question, a more challenging employer brand. To wit, I bring to you my friend Jason Crowell. Crowell? Crowell? I'm not sure. He's, yeah, you know, Jason Crowell. He's a great guy. He's, he and I have corresponded quite a bit in the last year or so. He has a great question because he works for recruiting an employer brand in the one and only trucking industry. Yes, trucks. <laughs> Here we go. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the podcast dedicated to helping you get smarter at recruiting and hiring. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of employer brand and modern recruiting so that you, yes you, can hire better talent. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? I'm your host, James Ellis, and you can find me on Twitter at The War for Talent. That's at The War for Talent. Or on the Talent Cast website. Got a question? Got a topic? Got an idea? Tweet me. I'd love to hear from you. Ready to roll up your sleeves and think big? Great. Let's get to it. Hey, how you doing, James Ellis? Uh, yeah, so let's just keep this simple. There's lots of stuff in the show notes. By the way, if you'd like to get updates on the stuff, I did that thing where I make an email every week and I send it to you and I try to send you something smart and then, hey, by the way, there's a new podcast reminder. That's all it is. It's a no-spam kind of list. If you're interested, just go to thetalentcast.com or employerbrand.consulting or, yeah, that's pretty much where you're going to get it. Just sign up for the thing. It'll be a pop-up. Don't just sign the thing. I promise not to be a jerk about it. Anyway, uh, all the information I would say about going to ERE and Sherm Talent and RecFest and Yellow's Strive User Conference and all that fun stuff would be there. So I don't have to say it here and annoy you here. So there you go. The more you use it there, the less I have to say it here. That said, let me tell full disclosure moment. My very, very, very first girlfriend, her father did logistics for a trucking company out of uh, out of Texas, where I was in Houston at the time. And he was, his trucking company was out of East Texas. I'm not sure what it's called. I don't remember. I only bring this up not to confirm that I once dated someone, because, you know, I know you had questions. But more to say, this is the full extent of all my information about the trucking industry. Uh, I had a conversation once, an interview once, with somebody who 
was who did some auctioning for trucking routes but really that's just, i mean i don't know anything about trucking i know that you know one's the gas and one's the the, the brake and at some point there's a thing called air braking and your engine braking and you're not supposed to do it because the signs on the highway say not to but other than that i don't know anything about trucking but however trucking's a great example of how do you do an employer brand in a world where there is effectively no consumer connection? The jobs are the same. And this is Jason's writing, and he goes, how do you build a differentiated brand when the elements are all pretty much the same? Uh, the jobs are the same. Everybody, no one recognizes the brand. Um, how do you do this? And I think it's a great, great case study. It's a great, great challenge to say, how do you build a smart, effective, useful, differentiated employer brand when all the pieces are the same? Now, I guess I got to start with a Mad Men joke or a Mad Men reference because by now you know that I love Mad Men. I've seen it many, 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 many times. Uh, it's been at least six months since I've seen it, so maybe it's time to watch it again. But episode numero uno, season one, episode one, the pilot... Uh, which we shot a full year before the rest of the season one. So if you watch it, you can see the difference, you know, the differences in haircuts and stuff and all the stuff they learned shooting the pilot. They do the the the, the lucky strike tobacco bit. He's, he's challenged. He doesn't know how to, you know, Don Draper is challenged. He doesn't know how to sell this idea of cigarettes and you can't talk about health benefits anymore. You can't talk about the, you can't bring a doctor in. This is 1960, I want to say. 60 sounds right. Um, Reader's Digest had talked about how there's a clear link between smoking and cancer. Um, lawsuits were happening and the government was coming, was effectively saying, we're going about to come down on you, so buckle up, kids. How do you sell cigarettes then? You used to talk about low tar. You used to talk about low nicotine and safety guidelines and this doctor recommends and blah, 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 blah. And you can't do it. All It's all gone. And he's looking at it. He's looking at it. He spent the whole episode kind of thinking about it. Why this brand and not that brand? Asking people, why do you choose Lucky Strikes? Why do you choose uh, Rolled Gold or whatever the hell it was? Um, why? And the answer was, it's just what I've always done. There's no clear differentiated element. They're, they're cigarettes. I mean, let's be fair, I'm not a big cigarette smoker, but the difference between cigarette brands are squintable. <laughs> They're hard to tell the difference between this brand and that brand. Sure, I could probably tell a regular from a menthol, but beyond that, I got no clue. And I maybe good cigarette smokers, such as they are, could figure it out, but really, they're cigarettes. You're there to get the nicotine. What do you want? Um, how, how brand loyal are you really? And the trick is, how do you differentiate that brand? Of course, the, the moment comes at the end. It's called the It's Toasted moment. And inside the branding world, it's, it's, it's very well known because it does kind of recommend, it does, it does kind of showcase this idea of a lot of times marketing and branding isn't about the thing. It's about what you think the thing needs to be. And that is to say, if every cigarette is the same, I'm not saying they are, but let's pretend. If every cigarette is the same, how do you recommend and market and brand this brand over that brand? especially when all the tools are taken away from you. And he goes down to, it's toasted. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, how do you, how do you, what do you do with your, your tobacco? He goes, okay, well, we grow it and we cut it, and we harvest it and we dry it and then we toast it and then we chop it up and then we stick it into cigarettes and we stick it in a box. He goes, great, that's the answer. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, the answer is, lucky strike, it's toasted. He goes, yeah, but they're all toasted. He goes, no, no, no. Other brands are dangerous. Yours is toasted. We ignore the stuff we're supposed to ignore. You know, we don't want to talk about. We ignore the conversations. We shift the conversation to something we can say. The fact that it's no, in no way different, that every brand of cigarettes are toasted, doesn't mean anything. They're not talking about how they're toasted. They might be toasted. That's a process. That's a inside baseball, how the sausage gets made kind of process. We're going to market. 
We're gonna market that thing. Your brand is cigarettes is toasted, and that's the magic. Now, to some of you, it feels like a bit of a magic trick. It feels like a bit of a, what just happened there? I don't think I get that. Wait, how is that important? What the hell? And if you don't get it, well, employer brand is not for you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it might be interesting and useful, and maybe you're a recruiter, maybe you're in talent acquisition or whatever. Employer brand is a methodology and a mindset that says this makes perfect sense. How do I bring this back to trucking? Okay, let's go back. Again, like cigarettes, trucking jobs are effectively the same. I'm not saying they are the same, but they are effectively the same. The nuance between company X and company Y is subtle. They're paying effectively the same salaries. They're doing effectively the same job. Does it matter that you're hauling chickens or boxes of post toasties? No, you're just getting your truck, hooking the cab up, and away you go. Tells you to go to T Tulsa, you go to Tulsa. Tells you to go to Seattle, you go to Seattle. You gotta be there a certain time, great. This is when I can sleep and you plan it out, and there you go, you do your job. There are rules, There are, especially in the, in the US, there are rules about how long you can drive and how long you can drive without a break. So effectively, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? How do you say, work for company X, we're better, how? Again, you're offering effectively the same rates. You're offering effectively the same benefits. What's the difference? And the answer is, it's toasted. That is to say, it's not so much that your job is better. It's not so much that your company is better. Because when the 18 to 20 million co you know, companies in the North America, uh, who can be better? How do you know better? Better to one is not better to, to another. The question becomes, what can you do to differentiate this brand against all the other consumer brands or all the other commoditized brands or all the other, you know, whatever it is? How do you say we are slightly different? And the answer is you've got to find it's a hook. Now, the it's toasted, un, the unstated part about it, it's toasted, is that it looks like, oh, we just made a list of all of the processes by making cigarettes and we picked one that sounded cool. And the truth is, not so much. What, what Don Draper did and, and what uh, you know, the, 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 the writers did is said, we're going to pick the part that has any tenuous emotional connection. Toasted sounds like a process that is done by people who, who want to make the tobacco better. It's done with love. There's a roasting effect. You can smell the caramelization maybe a little bit. You think about making toast. You think about toasting anything, and you're like, ah, oh, there's a smell to it. And we all know smells connected to emotions because they're very, very close to our, in our brains. Um, he was finding an emotional differentiator. He wasn't standing on it. He wasn't saying, now let's cue up the, the, the violins and talk about how the emotional connection of toasted is. All we have to do is say it's toasted. And in a space where the commoditization is so undifferentiated, the tiniest bit of emotion, the tiniest bit of emotion works. How do we know it works? Well, think about the last 40 years worth of God, now we're talking about 58 years worth of advertising about uh, cigarettes. Marlboro Man, Joe Camel. It's about finding the most tenuous connection to anything emotional you can. The Marlboro Man was all about freedom and open plains and about feeling like you get to make your choice. And Joe Camel's about being cool and about being slick. And I mean, how is a camel cool and slick? Again, the marketers are geniuses there. But it's about finding the, the tiniest, tiniest emotional connection to their product. So Jason, let's go back to trucking. What is the thing? Why, let me ask this question. Don't think about, and, I, and I, I usually don't talk about this, but don't talk about your brand. Talk about the concept of being a truck driver in general. 
Who is the kind of person who wants to be a truck driver? Is it someone who can't get a job anyplace else and this is their last chance at success? I bet it's not. I bet it, these are people who have made some conscious choice, some, not all, maybe not completely, maybe, uh, I'm not saying they, the choices were, I'm gonna become, uh, I'm gonna start a startup, found a startup or gonna become a truck driver and this is what I chose. I mean, you know, hey, do I go to college or do I start driving a truck? Do I work at a grocery store or do I start driving a truck? Or do I learn how to become a mechanic or do I start driving a truck? There are choices there, certainly. And these people made a choice. What do they base that choice on? Flip of a coin? No, of course not. First off, that's actually more rational than most humans actually get. Let's be honest. Humans are emotional creatures. Um, they had a choice. Some moment happened to them when they were younger. I'm not saying when they're four, though maybe. Um, but you know, something happened to them that had an emotional connection where they said, in their head, somewhere, subconsciously, trucking, I can see trucking as a valid way of making a living that maybe it provides flexibility and maybe it provides freedom and maybe it provides, see these are emotional words, flexibility and freedom. That I get to be me, I get to make choices, I get to be autonomous, I get to, sure, I'm driving the route they tell me to drive and I'm, I'm having to take a break when the law says I have to take a break. So I don't have all complete choice. I don't have to say, you know what? I'm not taking all these cheesecakes to the cheesecake factory. I'm gonna keep them for myself because they look delicious. There's no choice there. That, by the way, is uh, the most obscure reference I've ever made to a cheesecake truck. Um, it's a great song. Go look up Cheesecake Truck uh, by, no, not the Dead, Dead Milkman. Oh, I'm blanking on who it is. Anyway, it's a funny song. That's a tangent. Anyway, you don't have choice in reality. You still have to go drive the thing, and you still have rules you have to follow, but you have the choice of, uh, this is the route I'm choosing. This is how many routes I'm choosing to drive. This is the, the, the load I'm picking up because that's the one I'm choosing. I don't have a boss who stands over me all day, has a, a level of freedom. I get to pick the radio station and listen to what I want to listen to when I drive and I get to, maybe I bring a friend, maybe I bring my partner, whatever I do, I have some choices in the matter. My life is my own. Freedom, 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 freedom. Now, I can't imagine that's brand new to anybody who lives in the trucking world. That sounds like the kind of person who picks and chooses to drive a truck. Now, that's not specific to Jason's company. It's specific to truck drivers. And now I'm making this up, and these are broad strokes. So if the answer is they decided to drive a truck because uh, they have some sort of weird fetish for eight, the number 18, I don't know. I'm making stuff up. Maybe it's something else. But whatever it is, find out what it is for truck drivers in general. What is the emotional connection? Where did the choice come from? How did they decide to be a truck driver? Then find your it's toasted moment. Find your way of saying, look, this is what's connected. This is how it matters. This is... This is how our company fosters that growth. You're not going to be able to say we're the best. You're not going to be able to say uh, we're the number one trucking company. Maybe you are. I don't know how. I don't know anything about your company, Jason. But you may not be able to say you're the number one, the biggest, the fastest, the largest trucking company in the world. But you can say this is why we do it. So far, so good. Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or ProactiveTalent.com. That's where I work, and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it. What's the why? 
and find a way to turn it to be emotional. Look, if there's a hundred trucking companies, and I don't know what the number really is, it may be a thousand, it might be five. If there's a hundred trucking companies and they're all hiring the same kinds of people to do the same kinds of job, these are effectively the same kinds of people. So you aren't differentiating yourself from them, you're differentiating yourself from other companies. So what's the one thing that you can say is slightly different and how do you make it feel a little bit emotional? Because that's the trick, and I don't think we've talked about that much, is this concept that branding and marketing is more emotional than anything else. If it wasn't, every every marketing ad would be, here are the technical stats for this car, here are the technical stats for this soda, here are the technical stats for this brand of uh, de-icing salt, uh, buy it. That's it, right? But no. You know, when you but when you look at car ads, it's all emotional. Yes, some of them make claims that we have the most torque and we have the fastest growing or we are the number one seller or number one JD Powers or blah, 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 blah. They make some claim. They find some claim. Because honestly, the car industry isn't that different. In the end, we've come to a world where there aren't too many crappy cars out there. Right? There's no more Yugos. Anybody remember the Yugo? That was a while ago. Yugoslavia's number one export for a very long time, sadly. Um, you know, there are not too many leaders on the, on, on the road from, from Russia. Um, right now, even a junky, and I won't name brands, but you know, just a base model car, it's going to last you a while. It really is. I mean, there was a time in which you bought a car and you, you had to spend a lot of money to keep it up and not anymore. You can buy a, a base level car and it's going to have a long half-life. It's going to, you know, it's good. It's probably expensive to maintain later down the road, but you're going to get five, 10 years out of it without it falling apart. You know, the concept of lemons, they're, they're fewer and far between. You don't have to spend a lot. So if the answer is how do I get from point A to point B, the difference between uh, a base model Mazda and a high-level BMW, the cost is radically different, but in the end, they're both going to get you to the place. What's the difference, aside from price? It's that emotional connection. How do you feel driving it? And consequently, all ads are about emotions. Right? They try to bolster those emotions with some facts. Hey, number one, you know, most torque, most towing capacity, uh, number one, JD Powers, whatever. But those are picking and choosing the facts that you can stand on to say that's what I'm most known for and that's what I'm good at. And you're picking and choosing, and that's not fair and it's not real. That's marketing because you're looking for an emotional hook. And then if you can find some data to support that emotional hook, good, use it, go for it. So, what can Jason do? He can figure out what truck drivers want. Why do they got into truck driving? What kind of uh, what kind of mindset they have? What triggers them? What motivates them? Are they motivated by more freedom? Talk about freedom. Not that you have the most freedom. Talk about the freedom because most people don't. If they don't, you have to find the thing that nobody talks about. Remember, go back to cigarettes. It's toasted. Everybody was talking about health benefits. Suddenly, you can't talk about it. So you go the other way and say it's toasted. Everybody else's talk is trying to play defense against the health risks. You're talking about how toasted you and how delicious your cigarettes are. Guess what? Your people are buying more of your cigarettes. So if everybody's okay, so let's 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 take another step further. Let's say every trucking company talk, and, and Jason's rolling his eyes because I haven't done my research. Um, but now let's say every trucking company talks about freedom. Then guess what? You don't talk about freedom. You find a way to nod to the you a head nod and gesture to the sense of freedom, but you find the next thing that you can talk about. So if everybody's about freedom, guess what? Freedom is about table stakes. Everybody's offering freedom. Freedom can't be the reason you differentiate yourself. It can be about our service to our drivers. You know, we care about our drivers. Now, the we care argument is so old hat and so bland until you find a way 
to tell a story about that that matters, that connects. If you simply say, hi, my name is blah, 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 and I drive trucks, and I do whatever. I'm the CEO of the truck company, and I do this thing, and I do whatever, and I care about my drivers. Saying that doesn't do you anything. And apologies for that accent. I went straight to Texas, and apparently I went straight to my ex-girlfriend's father. Sorry, Allison. Um, so, <laughs> nah, too much information. So, if it's all about, you know, you, if you say you care, you have to, can't say you care. You have to show how you care. You have to find an instance in which you did something where you went above and beyond the call of duty, so to speak, to say, this is how much we care. I'm not saying you have to do it for every customer or every truck driver and have to show it. This is something we do all the time. But in a world where everything's even and everything's flat, anything that sticks up the tiniest bit can be differentiated. Think of, you know, a tile floor perfectly laid except one tile is slightly misaligned, your eye just jumps to it. Your eye sees that pattern different in a heartbeat. It's the subtlest difference but because everything is so same, the subtlest difference looks massive. Same way here, except instead of being a negative where, oh, the tile floor is broken, you're about, ah, oh, this company's really about, they care because they found a way to tell a particular story about that and stood on it. Now, much like if we go back to the employer brand sense of a brand perception comes from the nest model, that perception is built by all these touch points, which means if you want to reinforce the idea that we care about our drivers because freedom is the table stakes, you have to make that claim across the board in your job postings, in your videos, in your ads, in your Glassdoor posts, in your LinkedIn, do truck drivers use LinkedIn? I don't know. In your, whatever ads you push out, your career site, your recruiter communication what all the stories you're telling have to have that stuff any uh, marketing materials to schools to any recruitment marketing all that stuff has to touch on this idea because you're asking them to build a brand's nest around your brand that says we care about our drivers you don't do it by saying it you do it by proving it by surrounding them with this touch point in the story to which to the point they go yeah I guess this is the company of the companies I've, I've heard from these companies care about freedom but this one cares about drivers hmm suddenly you've differentiated yourself you aren't necessarily different, but you found a way to differentiate yourself. Another Mad Men reference, thank you very much. Another story that happens much later in Mad Men is this idea of they're talking about margarine and butter and why do people make these choices and how do you choose this margarine over that margarine? How do you know you're a blue bonnet person versus a parquet person? And I don't really remember margarine brands anymore. Um, they're, I mean, they're the same, right? They're just oil that's been homogenized and, and, and whipped to the point where it looks like butter, but it's not really. Um, how do you choose? But the truth is they said, okay, this brand has a higher price point, so it's clearly catering to a luxury market or a higher end market. They're claiming that space. This one talks about being home-oriented, country crock, right? There's, that, there's a long-standing series of commercials in the States about the two people talking over a tub, and I'm, and I'm not doing the brand of America much favors when I talk about a tub of margarine, am I? Um, about over a tub of country crock, and they were, they were laughing and giggling and having a lovely time, this couple. Um, could, in a blind taste test, could you have chosen parquet over blue bonnet over country crock? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe, let's, let's take on, on faith that they're effectively the same thing. Same amount of oil, same amount of chemicals, same homogenization whipping process that turns it, you know, oil into but, you know, butter-like substitute. It's the same product. But somehow they found a way to say, I'm going to claim this space over here and I'm going to claim that space over there. There's a joke inside of it that talks about 
<laughs> they use the Gilligan's Island model of differentiation, that one of the brands has to be the ginger, has to be the star, and one of them has to be the Marianne, which means has to be the, the down home, and one of them has to be the Thurston Howell, which is the rich, the luxury, and one of them has to be, you know, that you could, and one of them has to be the professor, the erudite, the smart choice, that you could actually map out these motivations for freaking margarine, for God's sake, on this wheel of Gilligan's Island. Now, for those of you too young to remember Gilligan's Island, I can't help you, go watch it on YouTube. It is a horrible show. It is a horrible show, and this is coming from someone who has watched the entire run of Hogan's Heroes as an adult and kind of enjoyed it. So when I'm saying Gilligan's Island is horrible, it's a bad show. It is a bad, stupid show. Go watch it and you'll see. These are archetypes of people, right? And there's a word I don't use very much, archetypes, because marketing, there's a whole thread of, of marketing and branding about the concept of archetypes. Are you about being the king? Are you about being the rebel? Are you about being the sage teacher? Are you about being the good person? What is the thing that you care about? What is the thing that you see yourself as? What's the archetype you own? And then you attract people in like-minded archetypes. That what you're doing is triggering in people's minds these uh, centuries, eons-long sensibilities of what people are like, right? We've always had kings and, and royalty of some sort, people who are the best. We've always had the smart one. We've always had um, the person who always tried to do good. We always had the rebel. The rebel didn't get invented with James Dean in the 1950s. The rebel, the concept of the rebel has... You go to, what's the, 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 the Iliad, right? That Hector was the rebel. He took, he took Helena Troy and stole her because it was against the rules, but he decided to rebel for love, right? Is he the lover or is he the rebel? Could be both, could be either, I don't know. But you see these archetypes have existed in our brains from the literal standpoint for so long. They're effectively written in our DNA. So what you wanna do is say, we're the blank brand. This is our archetype. You can steal some of that thinking, again, back to the trucking company. Hey, Jason, we're back to you. Um, what is the archetype that you're different? Are you the rebel? Is free oh, so when you talk about freedom, are you the freedom from from choice and the freedom from authority, thus making you the rebel, or are you the freedom for yourself to make your own choices, to make your own decisions? In which case you're kind of the king. You're the royalty, you're the you're the ruler of your own destiny. Or are you f choosing freedom because you're the smart one? Again, the arch the, the the sage, the professor, right? These are archetypes written into our DNA. That's a way you can differentiate it. Now Full disclosure, these are tiny, tiny, tiny differences. But that's the level to which we need to talk about employer brand. It's too easy to say, we're the company, who cares? Leave it at that and walk away. And if, you know, question number four, we're the, the question that cares. If those of you who remember, I, uh, you don't know Jack from the good old people at Jellyvision, uh, that was a great computer, one of the very early computer games. Uh, question number four, the question that cares, was just the best inside stupid throwaway joke. I loved it. But anyway, to say that you're the company that cares means nothing without the story, without the, the differentiation to say, when you say you care, are you saying others don't? Well, sometimes you're saying that, but sometimes you're not. And in a place where all the brands are effectively commoditized across the board. You're not saying they don't care. You're not saying those other cigarettes aren't toasted. You're just not talking about it. You're just trying to create a mental hook for people to go, what do I want? Do I want the cigarette that causes cancer? Do I want the cigarette that causes uh, low fetal birth weight? Or do I want the one that it says it's toasted? Well, I'm not an idiot. I'm going with the toasted one every single time. That's where you want to be. Do you want, you know, so back to trucking, do you want the one that says, 
we let you be free or the other one that says we want let you be free or the third one that says we let you be free or the one over here where you talk about we care about and this is why. That's differentiating. It is subtle. It is so subtle. It is, it is the pinch of salt in the meal that makes or breaks the meal kind of subtle. Without the salt, you're like, oh, it's missing something. With the salt, you're like, man, this is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Yes, it's subtle. You will not see this as a big billboard. You will have to do hard work and research to different, to ensure that you are actually differentiated, that you are actually, uh, the thing you're saying you're different that is authentic enough that you do in fact care. If you say you care, but it turns out everybody on Glassdoor says this company does not care about their workers, you've got a problem. You've got to figure out how do you either combat that or choose a different playing ground. Maybe it's not about you care. Maybe it's about we turn around our pay structure fast. We pay every two weeks instead of every month. I don't know. Maybe that's a thing, right? You find a way to say that's what we we say we care. This is the thing we mean. Fine. The tiniest, tenuous thread that you can pull out and say that proves this thing about ourselves. If you're in a commoditized space, that's the thing that makes it more concrete because it is real. Because at no point are you choosing between two trucking companies where one pays you 10 times the other. One isn't saying, look, from on this, you know, this one we're going to provide you um, electric trucks and they're super quiet and you can pretty much just sleep in them and that's all you have to do every day. Uh, it's an easy job, take a lot of money. And this one, it's all about hard labor. No, they're all the same jobs. You have to find the thing that differentiates yourself even if it's a thing that is true across the board. You just have to find the thing that isn't talked about across the board. You have to define that as a, a table stakes, a, this is what everybody says. It's like a car company saying, hey, we're the best car company in the world because every time you get in the car, it starts. Uh, yeah, that's every car, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who buys a car that doesn't start? This, is, this isn't Jaguar in the 1950s. These are cars. We expect them to, to work every single time. Table stakes thinking. You can't live on that. You can actually say, yes, we have that too. Our cars are very safe. Our cars are very uh, secure and they do exactly what you want. They're very reliable, but our car is about this. Same thing. So your employer brand, every employer brand can be differentiated. Think about the thing you can, the emotional connection you can have. Decide based in the the structure of your, of, your, of your ecosystem, what is being talked about and what's not being talked about, what's already being talked about by everybody else, and stay away from that, except to the head nod to say, yeah, us too. Yeah, our car start, duh. Um, and then pull out the thing that you can say, that's what we care about. That's the thing. It, you don't have to say that it makes you different in the idea that, this is, that nobody else cares about their, their employees. You're just saying, you're just saying, you're the one saying it. You're the one putting it's toasted. Everybody toasts. You're the one who says it's toasted. Marketing and branding is emotional and tied to people's emotions. It's not all that logical. It's not all that mathematical. You can't reason people into believing your brand. They either feel it or they don't. And that's how you get to spark that feeling. So with that, thank you so much, Jason. That was a really interesting question. And I have never said the word truck or trucking so much in my life. Um, so congratulations. Uh, if you have a question, if you want to get into it, thank you so much. For just tweet me, LinkedIn me. There's a million ways to find me. Jason found me. I'm not hiding. So come find me. Ask me a good question and maybe you'll end up as an episode here on the Talent Cast. Thank you for listening. Thanks for reviewing us. Thanks for leaving some stars and doing the stuff. Um, we are apparently being ranked now in eight countries. So I don't know how that happens, but thank you everybody for sharing and, and making this uh, so much fun for me and hopefully valuable to you. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. 
Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.